0: Good morning to all of you. Again, my name is Savitri. And it is my fate to follow a mathematician, computer science, and (laughs) an engineer. And then you have me, (laughs) a little girl from the south (laughs) who showed up in an unusual place called Ananda. So how yoga changed my life? I have to ask the question, when I thought of this topic, how has yoga not changed my life? There is no aspect in my life that has not been changed from the very biggest thing there is, which is a worldview, as they've been talking about, uh, my philosophy, the way I live my life, the way I look at life, down to the very smallest thing. There was a great saint who said, even when I pick a straw up off the ground, it is God picking up the straw through me. From the littlest thing to the biggest thing, everything has been changed. So my problem in getting ready for this talk this morning is to try to get down to at least one or two things in the way that yoga has changed my life. So actually, one of the things that changed my life is pretty unusual, and that was a yoga posture, just one, just one yoga posture. Now, in the world around you, I'm sure you know this, that most people, when you say the word yoga... What do they think of? They think of Hatha Yoga. They think of the yoga postures. As Anandi mentioned, some of us went up to the big Wanderlust Festival where there were 9,000 people practicing yoga and a lot of other things that, I don't know what they were doing, but they <laughs> they, they seemed to be having fun. And uh, we, we had our little meditation pavilion and people come out. Out of uh, 9,000 people there at that festival, about 900 of them came and took our various classes, and if you'll think about the percentages on that, out of a thousand, one seeks me, <laughs> it's pretty perfect. It was pretty amazing. But um, in the little class I gave there, I was talking about how I know all of you are practicing yoga, and uh, but you're practicing hatha yoga, in case you didn't know that. There's a bigger, there's raja yoga, which is the harmonious combination of all the yogas with meditation as the supreme guide. And if you're not meditating at the end of your yoga practice, then you're not really practicing yoga. And you should have seen people's faces in this room. It's sort of like, huh? You know? But I have to to say that certainly practicing hatha yoga is a definite step in the right direction for many, many, many people. It brings them in the door. And in a funny way not the way you might think it kind of brought me in the door also this was in 1968 i was living in houston texas i was just out of college i had a job for an airline flying around the world having a great time i was living in an apartment with a a girl a roommate friend of mine and we were in what was in those years called the swinging single set and we were out to have a good time we were out to have a party so we decided our house our little apartment is going to be party central. And so people were coming and going, and I would go to work and come home. I never knew who was going to be there, what was going to be going on. It was just party, party, party. And that's what was going on. So it it was okay for a little while, but then after a while it started to pale a bit, as these things do. Uh, and I began searching around, and there wasn't much in Houston, Texas, <laughs> back in those years. But I did my best to go to bookstores and look for things and see what I could find. But one evening, I came home from my job, and the party was going on. And and I looked around. And I thought, oh, it's more more party. And I looked over, and something unusual was happening. Something a little different. And this is where the yoga posture comes in. There was a man whom I'd never met before which was a common experience in my apartment. There were people just coming and going. And he was over in the corner of my apartment standing on his head. He was standing on his head. And uh, I thought, well, that's unusual behavior. And uh, so I I went over to him, and I I looked down, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm doing a yoga posture. Well, I had heard the word, and you know, I said, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you want to tell me more about it? And he said, sure. So he came down out of his yoga posture, and he said, almost the first thing he said to me was, you, if you want to know more about yoga, you need to read the Autobiography of a Yogi. And I said, okay, well, I'll take that under. And he said, but more important than that, you need to take up macrobiotics. <laughs> and so for the next... <laughs> For the next hour he he harangued me about he he never ate anything but brown rice, and you know his eyes were spinning in different directions and he he was a very impressive man and uh, <laughs> so I, I and he told me there was a book called "You Are All Sampaku" by George Osawa, and you need to go to the bookstore and you need to get this and you need to read it, and you need to start eating brown rice and all this okay, okay so I, I did. Actually, a few days later, I went down to the bookstore. walked in, and I said to this poor little lady, do you have this book? Uh, and, and she said, no. And that, that was back in the days before computers, if you can imagine. So she had this big book there called Books in Print. So she started looking through it, and she said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll order it for you if you really want it. I said, well, okay. I sort of come in hoping to get something, and I just looked around, and there with its cover out, was the Autobiography of a Yogi. And I remembered that he had said that, first of all, before he went into all this other stuff. And I thought, hmm, OK, well, I came to buy a book. If she's going to order the other one for me. I'll just bide my time reading this one. Well, as is probably true for most of you, it was absolutely shattering for me to read that book. My, my life was never the same. I had really not read that many books about these things about metaphysical things, and there just wasn't that much around. I I really count myself fortunate in a certain way that that was was really close to one of the first things that I had ever read. And I never, never questioned from that point forward that this was my path, that Yogananda was my guru, that I was a disciple. I, I couldn't have put that into words, but from that moment forward, my life was absolutely and completely changed forever. Okay, so that's how yoga changed my life. Actually, a yoga the man in the yoga posture. Okay, well, fast forward, and and so I'm trying. I'm searching. I'm, I took the the yoga lessons. I'm trying to meditate, trying to change my life, trying to be a yogi, whatever that means, and uh, I found out about Ananda. So in 1975, I first came here, sight unseen. Uh, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know who Swami Kriyananda was. I knew nothing. I just knew that I was interested in communities, as a sort of a separate interest I had, and that um, I had read a little page in a communities guide that all the people who live at this place in Northern California are followers of Paramahansa Yogananda. And I thought, well, that's very nice. That's interesting. I had my airline passes. I could go where I wanted. So I just popped on a plane and came on came on out here, and. This is the second way that yoga changed my life. I arrived here, there wasn't really much here at all. It was, there were not very many buildings. There was what we call the little apprenticeship program, now called the Karma Yoga Program, where people came and um, we worked. We worked in the garden, we worked wherever it was. and We had sadhana, I learned that word sadhana twice a day, and we did various things. It was fairly simple. But it was again; it was mind-shattering to me in in two major ways. The first way was that I had never met another disciple, another devotee of Yogananda. I have never met another person, and I didn't even know what the word satsang meant. I didn't even know what I was missing, and so immediately I was like a sponge, just taking and meeting all these people, these wonderful people. And uh, I actually met all sorts of unusual people, too, because (laughs) that was the first summer of the apprenticeship program. And laughingly, as the years went by, they began to call that the summer of love, because there were literally hundreds of people coming through here with all sorts of uh, persuasions and (laughs) all sorts of things. Uh, One of the first men I met here was walking down the path, and I said something like, Hello, how are you today? and he went like this you know and, and and i didn't know that meant he was in silence I, he just went like this and I said, okay and and uh, and then he pulled out a rock I, i'm not kidding you this he had a rock a flat rock and a piece of chalk and he wrote me a little note on his rock and held it up to me which said something like i'm in silence sort of anyway very unusual people here but But Master was here, Yogananda was here, and I met Swami Kriyananda, who was just, uh, I mean, i had been a little upset, like many people are, about the fact that Yogananda was not alive. Of course, Yogananda was alive, but I thought he had left this world in 1952, (laughs) and uh, I got here, and I was a little distressed about that, as people often are, but then I met Swami Kriyananda, and I realized that is the next best thing. That's got to be the next best thing, to to be with a living disciple who lives the teachings, who can translate them. He can stand up there and talk to me. And not only can he talk to me, he can, from time to time, tell me how I'm going wrong. So all of these things were incredibly life-changing. But the one thing I wanted to mention here, which was, besides the satsang and the meeting these people, uh, I made friendships here that are still just... Precious, precious to me in those very first days of being here. But the, one, the, I think it was the second day I was here, uh, down in Apprentice Village, which is where we come off of Tyler Foot Road here. There's nothing there anymore, but that's where it was located then. We, it was time for lunch, and somebody said, let's do a chant. And I had never heard of a chant before. And so we got in a circle, and somebody brought out a harmonium, which I had never seen before. And so sweetly, this little group of people sang, Thou art my life, thou art my love. Pranab did this yesterday. Sing it with me just one time. Thou art my life, thou art my love, thou art the sweetness which I do seek. Thou art my life, Thou art my love, Thou art the sweetness which I do see. In the thought by my love brought, In the thought by my love brought, I taste Thy name, So sweet, so sweet. Devotee knows how sweet You are, devotee knows how sweet you are, he knows whom you let know. he knows whom you let know. I didn't know there was such a thing as a devotee, and when they sang that chant, tears just rolled down my cheeks, and I said to myself, I'm a devotee, I'm a devotee, I, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> Devotee, I'm, I'm devoted to something. I, I, and there, there came an inkling into my mind about the second thing besides satsang, being with other truth seekers, and that is devotion. Because up until this point, I had read the lessons and tried to energize and tried to you know do all these techniques and try to meditate and all of this kind of stuff. And it was working to a certain degree, but I didn't have that key. And so many of our speakers, almost all of them this week, have spoken about devotion and the importance of devotion. For me, it it entirely changed my life because I found out I was a devotional person. (laughs) I love to chant. I chant all the time. I love music. I love to sing. I'm a bhakti yoga. I didn't even know that word either. And I'm a a kriya yoga. And I started getting all these, I'm a kriya barn, and I'm a devotee, and I'm a disciple, (laughs) and I'm a, oh, I was just getting all these wonderful, wonderful self-definitions that I had never even thought about before. How glorious, how blissful, and how my heart was changed. My heart before that point where I stood in that little circle and sang thou art my life thou art my love my heart had been like a dry I was thinking about this morning how can I describe it was shall I say it was a stone no that wasn't it it was like a dry sponge it was just hard and useless (laughs) really (laughs) and and a little chant came and told me I was a devotee and devotee knows how sweet you are and my sponge became soft and useful, <laughs> I hope, and full of love, full of love for God, love for our path, the great masters, in, in greatest appreciation. I am so, so grateful for Ananda, for uh, Swami Kriyananda, for all the teachers. Uh, my life was irrevocably changed by just st- setting foot on this property. And I hope that that will be the same for all of you if you're here for the first time or if you've been here many times. um, Let your heart be watered and nourished by the great power of our masters who have offered us these techniques, but who have also offered us the path of devotion. I wanted to read to you something from the essence of the Gita, which is my handbook these days and has been for a long time, for being the right kind of yogi, the right kind of um, person who follows this path to the very best of of my ability. The very science of yoga should be taught and practiced with love and not as an invitation to ego-boosting power. Love and devotion help the seeker grasp the true essence of yoga, which unlocks the inner door to the highest blessings than can be known." So all throughout the essence of the Gita, it talks about how devotion is the thing that can unlock the door to the very highest of all possible blessings. So what we all want to take away from this week is that key, is keep your heart open. If you don't know how to open your heart, you need to go to love school. <laughs> you, you, we all do. You need to learn how to love. When I was writing the book, um, Chakras for Starters, when each, there's a chapter in, in that book for each chakra. And when I got to the one of the heart, I thought, this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be easy to transmit uh, I have I, the way I wrote that book is I just transcribed all of Swami Kriyananda's talks on the chakras, and then I tried to condense them down to get them into a small space. And there was just there were such wonderful, wonderful concepts, such as our heart, our emotional center. Its 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 nature is to be emotional. It, it emotes, and the spiritual path teaches us to change emotion into devotion. It's a whole different realm, and there's ways of learning to do that. Emotion into devotion. It teaches our heart to quit particularizing. It uses, Swami uses that word. We particularize our love. I love you, I don't love you. I like that, I don't like that. If you could see your heart chakra, what you would see right now would be cords and strings, and as Swami says, sometimes even cables coming out, attaching to things of this world, the likes and dislikes, our duty, our destiny as yogis is to begin clipping them off, untying them, at least when you meditate. Swami tells us when you sit to meditate, let go of everything. Let go of all your desires and attachments. They'll be there like your shoes waiting outside the temple. They'll be waiting for you when you come out of your meditation. They have a way of attaching themselves again, but you loosen you lighten them up you let them go and let that heart shine and let that heart be of its essential nature the nature of this chakra is air we become lighter than air we lift up we let go of the things of this world and find our place in the world of spirit so let your heart be open this is what yoga really means to me this is what yoga should mean to anyone is an open heart and a willingness to love in the right way, not in the attached way, not in the, most people when they say I love you, I'm sure you know this, when they say I love you, they mean I love you if. That's (laughs) called conditional love. I love you if you behave in a certain way. And if you don't, maybe I don't. Does God love me that way? No, God loves me unconditionally. It's my duty, it's your duty to be a channel for that divine love without any attachments, without any desires, just pure and perfect love flowing through you and out from you into the world. So I'd like to close our class this morning and and close these classes for this week with a simple visualization that Swami has given us. We begin with the heart chakra. We're going to end with the heart chakra this week. So if you would, please sit up straight and take your left hand and put it over the center of your heart and your chest right in the the heart chakra area put your right hand on top of it and see if you can feel the beating of your physical heart feel your breath rise and fall make your chest rise and fall a bit with each breath and then go beyond these two physical manifestations of your heart center into that place of divine love of devotion of emotion transmuted into devotion the beautiful chant door of my heart open wide I keep for thee keeping your eyes closed now slowly open your hands as though you're opening the doors of your heart to let divine light pour through you in the form of unconditional love for yourself, for others, for the world around you, but most of all for God and Guru. Place your hands in your lap, but keep your heart uplifted and open. And imagine now the many strings and cords and cables that come out from our heart, attaching themselves to hundreds and hundreds of likes and dislikes but just for these few minutes, let them go. Somi sometimes tells us to not even think about what the things are, but imagine they're like little children's balloons, red and orange and yellow and green and purple, helium balloons. And as you cut them off or let them go, they rise up into the sky and they go so high that they disappear. What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with me? I am not my attachments and desires. I am a free soul. And then as the heart becomes lightened, it too is like a balloon, a big hot air balloon, and all the cables that hold it to this earth are let go, and the heart begins to rise, rise up the spine to the spiritual eye, and all emotion becomes devotion, And all desires become transformed into the desire for one thing alone. And that's pure love, pure bliss, the bliss of the soul. Door of my heart, open wide, I keep for thee. Om, peace. Amen.